When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. We're going to practice an inside today, just so everybody's clear, all right? Make sure everybody's good with all the head coaches in the room on that. Everybody good there? So, again, there's some wind out there, some dust. Probably a good idea to practice inside and make sure we have some good time. It's all based on what's best for the team at that moment. You good? Thank you. Uh, condescending Matt Patricia. Matt Collar covers the Vikings for 1500ESPN.com. Actually, if you want a behind-the-scenes look at the Purple Podcast, uh, you can find a little... little uh, Tour of Matthew Collar around the building on our YouTube page, YouTube slash YouTube.com slash 1500ESPN Twin Cities. We were talking earlier in the show with the Packers melting down and fans turning on Aaron Rodgers and Matt Patricia is practicing his team outside in the snow with four indoor games on their schedule. I know the Viking season hasn't gone perfectly, Matthew, but I mean, compared to those other two tire fires right now in the uh, in the NFC North, the Vikings have it pretty good going into this week against Chicago. <laughs> yeah, uh, you would much rather be the Minnesota Vikings than the Lions by a million miles. And then, I mean, if Mike McCarthy just has a lifetime job, then you'd rather be the Vikings than the Green Bay Packers, too, even though they have one of the best quarterbacks to ever live. Uh, the one thing about uh, Matt Patricia that's sort of interesting and applicable to the Vikings is that 2016 with Mike Zimmer was sort of like this. It wasn't. Like, he was doing these inexplicable things, like having them practice outside in the snow when they're going to play inside. But just that he showed a little bit of, um, I, I don't know how to put it, maybe he, he snapped a little under the pressure, right, when they went 5-0, and and then things started to fall apart. And by the end, cornerbacks were going rogue uh, at the end of the 2016 season. And over the last two years, there have been plenty of bumps along the way that I think could have broken him as Matt Patricia appears to already have been broken. And he found his way through it and out of the woods in, in 2017 with Case Keenum and then uh, out of the woods here after a pretty slow start, including a really bad loss to Buffalo. And now you have a chance to go into Chicago and prove that you're one of the three best teams in the entire NFC. If you had... Matthew Collar, the ability to uh, to fly to any team's facility on the Monday after the season and inform one of the many head coaches in this league who who ultimately deserved to be fired, but you could pick the one that you could say, you're an idiot, you're fired. Which facility w- would you elect to go to and inform said coach that they have coached their last game for that organization? 
Well, it would be pretty fun to go to Detroit and slouch way down in my chair and tell Matt Patricia that he no longer has a job. But um, it, just for football reasons only, I would probably have to say it would be Green Bay because it gets really tiresome to hear the same things over and over and over and over again about Mike McCarthy and to watch him punt the ball away to Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league with a great running game, and watch them just end what was a really exciting and good football game. But it ends with that, and that ends up being the storyline as opposed to these two quarterbacks putting on a laser show last night. It ends up being, hey, look how dumb Mike McCarthy is, and how many times have we had that be their storyline? So I'm sure that Vikings fans want Mike McCarthy to stay in power for a very, very long time, at least until Rodgers retires. But he'd probably be the one. I mean, I think it's really time for him to go. And they already actually fired the guy that I also would have moved on from, which was Hugh Jackson, where you can yeah. win one of 38 games or something like that and then continue to have your job. That got ridiculous as the season went along. But uh, I, I think that just even from covering uh, a team in, in the same division as the Packers, so you're focusing on them quite a bit, Hearing the same storyline with Mark McCarthy has gotten just just a bit old. They need some new uh, blood there. Like so, okay. I'm glad I'm glad you guys brought up this uh, this punt situation at the end of the game last night. He said after the game, Mike McCarthy, that they went with the numbers, and I'm wondering what numbers is he going by when you're about to burn all if you punt. Best case scenario, you've now burned all three year timeouts. Time runs off the clock, and you get the ball back. Best case scenario, you get the ball back in the same spot that you had it before barring a return. So if you're weighing the chances with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time of getting a short yardage first down or stopping an opponent that has been moving the ball fairly well on you and getting the ball back and then moving down the field again from the same spot with no timeouts, why is that even a debate with the NFL teams, Matthew? I think at this point, Mike McCarthy is just moving his mouth and words are coming out, but not a whole lot of them are making sense. I, I mean, that that one is the most preposterous, but he's had a lot of them. The highly accomplished football coach line was, was one of the best. Like, yeah, I guess no one can criticize anything you do because you're a highly accomplished football coach, but with the uh, the numbers, I, I have no idea what he's talking about because it's really not a very complicated formula. If you give it back to them and they get two first downs, your game's over. Or you could try to get two yards. And not only do they have one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the sport, they also have a running back who averages almost six yards a carry. So even if they decided that they wanted to throw off Seattle just a little bit and hand off, what's the odds that Aaron Jones is pretty darn good and that offensive line is pretty darn good to get two yards? It's probably pretty high odds. So, I, I mean, I, I saw the people who are very good with numbers on Twitter laughing at that statement, too, today. And it's just it's stuff like that where McCarthy seems now, maybe at one time he was ahead of the game, but he has fallen so far behind it. And, and you know, and that's another thing that Vikings fans should be pretty happy about, that one time this year there were some questions about how Mike Zimmer handled the game, but it's been a very rare conversation. We had it after a Lions game where they scored too fast. And then the, the Lions kind of like broke the win probability model with a 59-yard field goal to tie the game. Remember that? I mean, it's very rare that we've sat here and talked about Mike Zimmer and game management. And, and Collar, Chicago's good, but this is why as, as Detroit just completely goes into the trash bin and the Packers scuffle, despite the fact that they still have a great quarterback, this is why if you're the Vikings, this is your opportunity, right? Because you, you went out and signed your quarterback, your defense is still 
really good. Chicago's ascending, and they are, are a nice team. But if you look at, if you were to take a step back just now and look at the rosters and look at what these teams in the North have, the Vikings are the team that in 2018 should take this thing by the throat starting on Sunday and and win this division, not be a wild card, and as we talked about previously, get that home playoff game. And this one is really big, too. Just looking at the schedules going forward, it's not going to be very easy for the Vikings. They have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL, and Chicago has at least three games where they should roll people over. So not only is it a chance for Kirk Cousins to go in and shut everyone up, like you mentioned in your column, and and kind of just justify why he's there. I mean, right now, you couldn't tell me a win that they also wouldn't have had with Case Keenum, even though... There's no question that Kirk Cousins has played better than Keenum would have, but beating Arizona, beating the New York Jets, I mean, those were not wins that really required very good quarterback play on those days. So what they would love to see, I'm sure, is Kirk Cousins going in against one of the best defenses in the NFL in a place where this team has historically struggled quite a bit and have a a big day and, and come away with a big win because if they do, then they're in the driver's seat to win the division and get themselves a home playoff game which they really desperately need. And I think that this side of the ball, the, the, the offensive side of the ball, is important for the Vikings here. But really where I, where I think that they can win this game and why I think that they will win is the defense and Mitch Trubisky. I'm not buying Mitch Trubisky yet. And after a 10-sack day two weeks ago, I am buying stock in the Vikings' defense, especially if Anthony Barr is coming back. Yeah. I don't know. Mitch Trubisky feels... It, it feels like he's in for a rude awakening here at some point. And I, I also think people are getting fooled just looking at his numbers in a vacuum and not taking into context, Matthew, that the average quarterback in the NFL right now is putting up better numbers than MVPs were 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and the other point is, too, that he's had two amazing games, and they came against a Detroit team that no longer wants to play for their head coach and against a Tampa Bay Bucks team that can't stop anyone. And where Trubisky has really struggled is against the Blitz this year. Well, what has Mike Zimmer been doing more often since this defense struggled early in the season? He's been blitzing like crazy and throwing off even quarterbacks that are pretty decent, like Matthew Stafford. You saw Stafford get confused a few times, but especially the more inexperienced quarterbacks like Sam Darnold. And and Trubisky's not a rookie, so he's seen a lot more, but still a second-year quarterback will be going up against a, a defensive mind that is excellent at finding ways to throw off younger quarterbacks. So I look at that as being a huge advantage for the Vikings. And then just I don't think you can overstate Everson Griffin coming back. And your confidence level in this team, I think, completely changes with Griffin back on this defense. What what should the concern about the O-line be with the injury report coming out today and uh, both your starting guards are questionable i know compton didn't play before the bye but uh now you're to the point where you might have a problem at both guard positions and not just the left guard position matthew uh yeah that and that's the one thing that could throw off my whole theory <laughs> i mean is i'm glad we got to it of, uh, yeah i mean you have akeem hicks on the inside yeah. who is sort of the equivalent of khalil Mack. i mean he is Right up there, Aaron Donald's number one by far. And then right after that, it's Fletcher Cox and Akeem Hicks and a couple other guys. So he's every bit as dangerous in the middle. And if you're talking about having either your starting guards not at 100% or not playing, I think that they will, but still not at 100% is a really big concern. And this is where the screen game to Delvin Cook could be gigantic 
because if you get Pat Elfline moving, if you get Brian O'Neill moving, the guys that you have healthy and you don't give an opportunity for Khalil Mack to just get upfield and blow up your game plan, and the same thing for Akeem Hicks, then you've, I think, got a chance to, to break off some big plays without really having to protect, but really doing just what you do best. And I think that's where everything is going to start for them is, running to the outside, getting the screen game going, and then hoping that that can wear down the Bears' defense a little bit. But, I mean, it's a huge concern. They even do things with Khalil Mack where they'll do, like, stunts where he'll come inside and hit the guard and blow up the guard instead of the tackle. And, I mean, that could, that could be a huge problem. And last year when Mike Remmers went up against Akeem Hicks, it was advantage Hicks quite a few times. So, I, I, I mean, this is the, the one factor in this game, even though I think that the Vikings have the overall stronger team, is that the Bears' defensive line could just blow them up. Yeah. Uh, what can people find on the website right now from you? Well, we have all sorts of purple podcasting, for one, and then uh, the most recent article I wrote was about John Filippo and Matt Nagy, two of the up-and-coming offensive minds in the NFL. Football. Yes. So uh, much football. See you, uh, you'll be in Chicago this weekend. We'll see you, Matthew. All right, see you guys. Thank Bye, Collar. Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com. He's headed up to Chicago for that game. And uh, we'll be, I'm assuming, doing a late-night Purple podcast with you whenever that's over. That is correct. Ventline will Ventline, go late yep. into the night, the next couple weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we caught up with Sage Rosenfels a little earlier today, and we're going to play that back for you when we come back here. And he had some really good analysis. Speaking of John D. Filippo, his thoughts on the new offensive coordinator for the Vikings as we're a little bit past the halfway season. So Sage Rosenfels continues our football hour next. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd, football hour on a Friday, which means our friend Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback and also co-host of a couple episodes a week on the Purple Podcast with Matthew Collar, which you can find on 1500ESPN.com. And Sage, uh, we saw the article you wrote for The Athletic, and it prompted me, just out of curiosity, to pull up profootballreference.com to see that only three teams in the entire league have run the ball fewer times than the Vikings. Only the Cardinals, the Bengals, and the Giants have run the ball fewer times than the Vikings. What are your thoughts on the Vikings' one-dimensional offense so far this season? Well, I'm just sort of confused as to why it is. You know, I you know if you look at the yards per carry amongst the the main backs of the Vikings, it's not low. It's not like they're averaging three yards a carry here. Uh, they just don't hand the ball off very much, and so they're you know 28th in the league uh, in in rushing, and and you know I think that's that's an issue. You know, Kirk Cousins is being counted on to do a lot for this offense. Uh, I prefer to have him do a little bit less. I think that would be nice. He doesn't need to throw the ball you know, 35, 40 times a game. I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, I think Latavius has a heck of a job. I think the linemen like coming off the ball. Uh, they ran the ball extremely well last year. I believe they were in the top. I think they were second in the league uh, with number of attempts and maybe seventh in, in total rushing. And look how well Case Keenan played within that offense. So I imagine Kirk Cousins would play much better, uh, even better, more, more efficient, uh, if they were run, trying to run the ball a little bit more. So, Sage, in your mind, what's the why then? Is it a perception of that the Vikings have uh, that it gives them a favorable matchup to throw more? What would be the reasoning to to look at the past success that you just talked about and sort of go forward ignoring it? Well, I think I think you look around, uh, you know, the team and the different aspects of the team and and why they call pass plays versus run plays, and and uh, 
as I said, I don't think they're they're failing to run the ball well. They're just not doing it enough. So you can look at it, you know, have they been behind in a lot of games? Uh, you know, so they've had to throw the ball. Have they been in these really high-scoring offenses? And that, there's some truth to that. I and mean, they play the Rams and the Saints. Uh, you know, they want to try to keep up with those teams. But, uh, you know, trying to keep up with the Bears, I think, you know, this week, by the way, I think slowing it down. Let's limit the number of, you know, attempts Mitchell Trubisky gets and things like that. But, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm probably talking to the offensive coordinator, John DiFilippo. I, I, you know, he's the difference to, to me between last year and this year. Uh, and I don't think it's blame. I said they're just throwing they're throwing the ball much better than last year too you know so but my guess is uh, and my thought is that the Vikings would be a better football team if they ran it uh, better they'd be more efficient they'd stay out of those pesky third and long situations we'd hate to have you know seven or eight third and nine pluses this week with Khalil Mack rushing the passer right so let's stay out of those let's stay in those third and threes third and fours let our executor uh, of a quarterback, uh, uh, you know, work his way through a progressions and, and that sort of stuff he's, he's really pretty dang good at. And so I'd like to see him do that rather than trying to continually force down, force the ball down the field in third and long. So, Sage, I, f- I feel like, and, and the Vikings aren't the only team guilty of this, but, you know, if the run game isn't working and you're not chunking five and six yards or something big early in the game, it feels like teams teams correlate how often they run with how successful they've been you know in the recent history is there value in running the ball even if you're not gaining five six yards if it's just if you're literally running the ball into the line of scrimmage and getting tackled is there still value in running the ball and should they still be looking to do that to set up other things maybe yes all the time um there's a couple teams i was on where we didn't mind a first down run for zero or one yard we might have get cover two on the next play now bring play action at them uh, with a hard fake, with the fullback filling with the will linebacker, and boom, now we're hitting you know St. Andre Johnson right behind them. That's where the play action comes into play. Now let's add to the fact, by the way, the Vikings are, uh, you know, their two main receivers are down in their yards per catch from a year ago. Stephon Diggs hasn't gotten worse, right? Uh, Adam Thielen hasn't gotten worse. We're also not pushing the ball down the field, so that run mixed in with the play action, if it's designed properly, you can get some really big plays down the field. I mean, you got to be shocked that Stephon Diggs is averaging 10 yards a catch, right? Absolutely. I mean, he's a guy that runs great routes down the field, 17, 18 yards, post routes. He can double move people. He's a great player for that, and they don't seem to use him very often with those types of plays, averaging only 10 yards a catch. And your point, too, I believe, is if you run at Mac, you stand the chance then of, of starting to tire him out as opposed to him being fresh all game, correct? Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. We, my rookie year, I remember we were playing against Junior Seau, and, you know, they're sort of similar players on the way. You know, very athletic, very strong, big-time competitors, but high motor. You know, they run things down from the backside, and, you know, the thought was actually to run at Junior Seau. Uh, so we've got to take on blocks all the time. He's not chasing people down from the back of the running game. And then we're actually, you know, sort of wearing them out with double teams, uh, you know, it, it, when you're running the ball right out, you know, a power play or something like that where you get a nice double team. Uh, or whatever. So that was another aspect. Let's stay out of situations where, you know, Clue Mack is, is fresh in the fourth quarter. He seems to make that, you know, that fourth quarter fumble recovery for a touchdown play about every other week. I'd like to, you know, stay out of those this week, too. Sage, it seems like, I mean, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, too, about the screen game. I mean, the screen game is in, in some ways like running the football as well because it's not just a simple play action or or a drop back pass for Kirk Cousins. I mean, if you utilize the screen game more, especially with Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray's capable of doing that, and now you've got 
Amir Abdullah into the fold as well, where you can maybe utilize him in that in that aspect too. I mean, it just seems like if they add that too, it'll help as well. Yeah, and listen, the screen game, you know, your running back doesn't have to be a stud. They have to be savvy. I mean, I think Latavius Murray could be a decent screen game guy. He catches the ball, and he's usually pretty uh, smart about navigating his way through traffic. And Dalvin Cook, man, that could be a home run uh, with him. Listen, you're going to call 35 pass plays a game. Uh, you're going to want to have only so many dropbacks. I'm talking five and seven step. You're going to have so many three-step drops, so many screens, so many bootlegs, so many play actions to add it up to 35. If you're counting on literally dropping back, 20 times a game, uh, uh, you know, five and seven step drops, holding on to the football, waiting for guys to get down the field and beat somebody. Trouble happens on those plays. Less trouble happens on screens, wide receiver screens, running back screens, tight end screens off of play action, which are you know, usually very effective if you have a guy who can sell it and the Vikings do with Kyle Rudolph. So, yeah, I think they could add a few more things to the Packers to protect this passing game, which is great. That's top 10 in the league, but, you know, those bad, those bad Kirk Cousins plays happen. Generally, it seems like on those types of players. Yeah. Sage Rosenfels with us here, Mackie and Judd Football Hour. What would your reaction be if you had four indoor games over the next month and your coach, Matt Patricia, still made you practice in the snow? Uh, how many years left do I have on my contract? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> uh, you know, Tom Coughlin, he would have us practice out. Well, he would. He would have you practice uh, practice inside a lot in New York, but he'd leave all the doors wide open. They had all these garage doors. So the temperature was really the same as the outside. You just had better footing and, and things like that rather than practicing on the grass. So, you know, listen, you, you all saw that, that video last year, Belichick having those guys practice in a blizzard, like in a before a playoff game, I think, or a Week 17 game that didn't even mean anything. Uh, and Belichick was doing that, I imagine, uh, just like all the other assistants that have, uh, you know, coach for Belichick and gone somewhere else. It seems like a lot of them have had that, you know, same type of, uh, you know, attitude towards how you practice, when you practice outside, how much you hit, those types of things. Okay, Sage, goofiest non-farve thing that the Childress did during your time here that sort of now that, that you see what Patricia just did harkens back to that as, as something that you saw and might have said to yourself, I wonder how much time is left on my contract. <laughs> oh, man. Um... Shoot. You asked me these questions. If I could, like, ask me the question the next time, answer give me like a week to think about it. That's right. Um, that, let's let's make I'll that. Judd, you send five questions like this I'll to Sage send, every week, six days wanna, in advance. I want a brand story every I'll week. Just count on that. Okay. No, I, I can tell. All right. So I, I'll tell you this. It was an OTAs in the summertime, and I knew that Brad had come from the Andy Reid school of you know coaching, and my friends, you know AJ Feely being one of them, uh, you know they played for him in Philadelphia, Andy Reid. You know, they Andy was supposedly you know very dry humor, very funny. Occasionally, would do something sort of silly. He was like a lovable guy. Uh, I remember there was an OTA practice, and I don't know if it was like one of the last ones or what. And Childress wore that visor with the fake hair thing. It was like a, it was like a honey, it was like a honey badger. I don't know what you would want to call it. It was all fluffy. It looked like he had hair. He had a visor looking like he looked yeah. at hair, and I was like, what is going on here? I was that was a that was a strange moment for me of like what am I doing? What are we doing here? Did he did he explain it or was he just trying to be a goofball? I think he was just trying to be a goofball, but yeah. like I don't know. I was I it was it's hard to practice when the coach is being a goofball. If they want to be a goofball after practice, I think that's different. But I don't know. It was just sort of a strange I never had, had that before. Yeah. Kubiak it wasn't like that. 
And Kubiak players absolutely love playing for. You know, Dave Wanstead wasn't the guy that joked around. Saban obviously didn't joke around. And Marty Schottenheimer didn't joke around. So I'd never seen somebody uh, be so casual during, like, an OTA practice because you only have so many. Yeah. Uh, so we've spent part of the show here playing clips from uh, the, the fan in Milwaukee has a, a post-game show called the Green and Gold Post-Game Show that we just call Packer Ventling. And let's just say they're not they're usually not happy because lately the Packers have been underperforming but now it sounds like they all want Aaron Rodgers to be blamed. Um what are your what are your thoughts on what's happening in Green Bay right now and and what do you say to because I'm sure there's Packer fans listening here behind enemy lines. What are your thoughts when you hear Packer fans say that Aaron Rodgers is part of the problem in Green Bay? I don't know. I've seen that on Twitter this morning too, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh, he makes so many great plays, but a lot of times he misses the routine ones, and that's the difference between Rodgers and Tom Brady. Brady always takes the routine plays every single time uh, and doesn't try to do too much. Aaron likes to be sort of a superhero, which, I mean, a couple of those throws last night, that 50-whatever, 8-yarder, you know, that was incredible to, you know, to make that throw. He does that so many times that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know who's to blame there. I think it's it's nice as you know covering the Vikings that it's the Vikings and the Bears and not the Vikings and the Packers uh, for once. I'm sure that hasn't happened too many times. Uh, so yeah, I think they're I think their roster is just okay. Uh, they don't stop the run very well. Uh, they couldn't stop it last night, and and so um, you know they got a lot of issues. And you know Aaron Rod- I think Aaron Rodgers is incredible. He's not perfect. You know he probably doesn't try to try to do too much sometimes. You know I'm sure there was games when you know Michael Jordan or LeBron or or Kobe, where they tried to do too much, and they were that wasn't always successful. And there's probably times where he tried to do too much because he's got Bill Cartwright, uh, you know, blocking for him. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, uh, Sage. What's your thought too on on shelf life for for uh, coaches as well? Because you know McCarthy's been there now since 2006. It's been a long run. He he was there initially with Brett and then Aaron. What's your thought process? And unless your name is Bill Belichick. On, on how long that a relationship ordinarily is going to work uh, for a coach in, in this league in 2018 now? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it does just sort of seem that, you know, coaches get, there's ebbs and flows, and, you know, after you've been there for a while, uh, teams are just sort of ready to move on. Or it, it happens in college, too. Teams think they can make, uh, you know, somebody else can sort of bring them to a higher level. Uh, or whatever it might be, it can maximize the talent. You know, there sort of ends up being this sort of fight sometimes between who's picking the players and who's picking the coach. And if the player, if the guy, you know, the the person that's in charge of picking the players says, listen, we've got a, you know, the 10th most talented team in the league overall, I believe, but we, you know, we're, we're not doing it as well. It's the coach's fault. If the coach says, listen, I've got the 25th best roster in the league, what do you want me to do about it? I'm doing my best here. So there ends up being that challenge a lot of times. And, you know, it takes a good uh, president and owner and, and whoever to sort of figure out, you know, who is at fault and, you know, is it a good roster? Is it Aaron Rodgers? And, you know, the people that watch the film every day uh, to see those weaknesses and strengths. And, and but my, 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 the, I'm sure, I'm sure the, the issue is not uh, the quarterback number one. I think he's probably trying to overcompensate for other issues that football team has. I'm going to guess if they do deem him to be problem number one, there's about... I wouldn't say 31 other teams, but like 29 other teams would gladly pick up that contract and let it ride for the next Listen, quarter. I mean, watch Blake, watch Blake Bortles play on Jacksonville. He is just <laughs> driving those guys crazy. I'd prefer there, not to, know, Sage. So. <laughs> yeah. They should <laughs> just put a... tried to do too much. Listen, Favre tried to do too much also, and he was pretty dang good in 2009 in Minnesota That's when he true. left. 
Yeah, I think CBS should just put a sensor box over the Jaguars' offense every time they're on the field. <laughs> you know, just either blur it out or one of those you know black sensor boxes. That'd be that'd be it. Like plan. it hurts my shoulder just to watch him throw. I can't. You know, I, I've tr- even tried to sort of copy it. Uh, he sort of has like Markel. Is it Markel Folt? Is that how you say his name? Oh man, yeah. He sort of has that little twitch in his shot or whatever in his throwing motion, but. Uh, I don't know. The, the Jaguar, the, I think the Jaguars might miss a little window here, so they, they might be moving up. Corey, I'm sure they'd love to have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, exactly. All right, great stuff, Sage. We'll catch up See next you. week. Sounds good, guys. All right, Mackie and Judd, the football live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do on 1500 ESPN. The mission starts now. Don't miss Mark Wahlberg in the explosive action thriller Mile 22, starring starring Lauren Cohen, Iko Uweis, Ronda Rousey, and John Malkovich. From director Peter Berg, director of Lone Survivor, don't miss the film critics say is loaded with edge-of-your-seat action and is filled with 22 miles of breathless, pulse-pounding thrills. Own Mile 22 now on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. And head to the 1500 ESPN stream player for a chance to win your own Blu-ray combo pack. Now, Manny, I know you and Jonathan are relatively new to the fabric of the Mackie and Judd show here. Mm -hmm. But it's very well known in the almost five years of the show that Judd and a specific condiment are (laughs) attached very closely together. Judd's love for ketchup knows no boundaries. You saw it in action in Florida. Not just in Florida. I remember one time we were at, what's that, uh, is it Eagle Street across from the XL Energy Center? Yes. And we were having lunch there after one of our, we did a broadcast during the high school hockey tournament. And we sit down, get a little lunch after the show, and I, I don't know, I got something, a wrap. And Judd got a chicken Caesar wrap and proceeds to put a glob of ketchup on a side plate and dips every last bite of the chicken Caesar wrap into a glob of ketchup. Still do it. It's absolutely delicious. Chicken Caesar wrap with ketchup. Oh, yeah. it's so gross. Oh, a side of ketchup, and then and then I took the wrap and I mm. dipped it in the ketchup. You know, it is absolutely delicious. And now I've met my match. I'm a big ketchup fan. I've always been a little bit more when I was younger. If, if it happens and I get ketchup for life, I'll be sure to share it with some of the offensive linemen. I, I don't think it's that weird, but I put it on my mac- macaroni and cheese. But people Ugh. seem to think that's a, a weird thing. No. Some people think that's disgusting, but I mean, it's good to me. I have hunts. I do Heinz. I do. I do it all. My favorite probably is the Waterburger ketchup. But, I mean, that's what te- Texas people would know that. Uh, Pat Mahomes admitting that he and this has been a huge conversation I feel like around the sports landscape today that he puts ketchup on his macaroni and cheese which sounds disgusting and I guess what Heinz found out that he loves ketchup and Mm -hmm. so they said if you throw if you break the record and throw 57 touchdown passes this season we will give you a lifetime supply of ketchup Uh, but the okay the macaroni and cheese thing I've met my match. Even you draw a line? No, I do it. And it's delicious. Oh, it's delicious. Leave the it's, it's too okay, it's twofold. Let me explain oh. myself. It's twofold. Oh, it's twofold. God. Number one, it's not only good, but number two, ketchup is the greatest coolant there is. Because macaroni and cheese, you know, sometimes it's a little bit too hot, right? Well, you could wait five minutes no. instead of putting ketchup all over it. I'm not a, a cup of water. I'm not a patient man. So cool. what I do is I take ketchup Ice. and put it on the macaroni and cheese, and it's delicious. Mm. And, and he's also getting pushed back because Mahomes talked about the fact that he puts ketchup on steak. Now I will nothing wrong with that. Now I will draw the line there though. Eh. If it's Murray's or Manny's, no ketchup. 
not necessary. Oh, I'm glad you clarified but, that. But, You're going to pay $90 for a cut of meat well, and put I just want to be very clear here. But if it is a run-of-the-mill steak that you're going to get and it has any dryness at all, glob it up. But yep. why... But So... I'm with you on if if the meat is, if there's like a dryness or if it's overcooked, if it's chicken that's overcooked or if it's steak that's overcooked, I'm all for sauces. I just feel like ketchup is not even in the, in the top 10 of what you would put with chicken, for instance. Mm-mm. So chicken. Oh, that's the first thing I put with chicken. Mm-mm. Why? Because it's good. Have you I, ever heard of barbecue sauce? Yeah, I'm a fan or of barbecue sauce, sauce, but I'll do, kit, I'll do ketchup before barbecue sauce. I mean, what, this is also coming from a dude who eats corn dogs four times a day, too. So <laughs> uh, That's beside well, the point. I mean... And to that point, the only thing I ever put ketchup on is either a hamburger, you know, a hamburger or cheeseburger, or like a hot dog or a corn dog. Some people might even say that the hot dog is sacrilege, that you shouldn't put ketchup on a hot dog, which I disagree that's with. Right. That, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I don't that's agree with that. Most people but, are heathens. But I don't even, you guys might think this is crazy. I don't even put ketchup on like French fries. That's just weird. Oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. French, you're, out just of, wrong. you're out of line. Just wrong. You're out of line. <laughs> you are out of line on that French show. Fries right now. Just, French fries, just dab a little salt on there. Maybe what? even like a little no. seasoned salt, and I'm good. Load them up with ketchup. No. Amen, Judd. No. Well, it's you, so good. Do you dip your French fries in anything? Maybe like ranch or something. Okay, now you're out of line. Oh, yeah, okay. No, 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 that's good. It's ranch. No, that's ranch good. Is good. French that's good. Fries. Here, oh, okay, French fries. Okay, rule of thumb. What is rule wrong of thumb. with this room? Rule of thumb. I'm not even that weird when it closest, comes to <laughs> Closest condiment wins. So ranch is absolutely fine. And if ketchup's right there, that's fine. And if you've got steak sauce, that's fine. Here's, Closest condiment wins. Don't be I will picky. Put, I will put ketchup on French fries. I will eat French fries that have ketchup on them already. Okay. But if I have the choice, I would not do it. But, Max, but if somebody okay. if somebody gives me a bowl of you know a, a plate of French fries and there's ketchup poured all over them, then I'll I'll, I'll still eat them. Here's but, the thing about the macaroni and cheese, though. Okay, that just it's I not, don't understand. It's not like it's you're cool. it's not like That's you're sprinkling weird. shredded cheese. Okay, I, yeah. I can see like putting ketchup on a cheeseburger. It's mm-hmm. it's not liquid cheese, right? Yep. Okay, the macaroni already has sauce on it. It's the cheese. Why are you adding a second sauce cool to something that already has sauce? Cool it. It It just looks gross too. I well, sure, it looks gross. Who cares? I have I have taken to if if I go to the store and buy and buy a bunch of those microwave healthy choice meals, I just glob ketchup right on top of the thing because it cools it off instantly. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Ketchup is not ketchup is fine. There's only one sauce that you should be allowed to put on macaroni and cheese in addition to the sauce that's already on there, which is the cheese. Yeah. And that's sriracha. Has anyone ever okay. done sriracha mixed in I've with done a mac that and before. cheese? You get a little, it's, actually, it's, it's, it's pretty a, good. It's a coolant in terms of temperature, uh-huh. but it'll raise the temperature from yes. a spice standpoint. I can't do that, though. I've never really understood putting ketchup on, like, steak either. Well, it's just like a it. steak is a high, it's a classy meat. You, you, you gotta put, like, put some A1 on there or something, you know? That's what you put on a steak. You put A1 on a steak. Closest condiment wins. Whatever's in... Well, in when I'm eating a steak, my right I'm making arm. sure that A1 is the closest condiment. That's you. It's not me. So Judd and Pat Mahomes are now uh, best friends for life. You guys are you guys are BFFs. We're gonna wrap with Roycey when we come back. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date on fifteen hundred ESPN. I would just say be careful with your specific wording, though, for future. I would cases. just say I'm well liked by people out there, and we just found that out. <laughs> 
Uh, we wrap with Royce every day on the show. Pat, are you at the Prep Bowl right now? I am at the semifinals. We do not call it the Prep Bowl as of yet, sir. The uh, okay. next week is the Prep Bowl. But, yes, semifinals, I saw the Owatonic kid, Jason Williamson. Uh, they held him to a mere 199 yards and four touchdowns today. Elk River, uh, I think it was 39-7, to 38-7, something like that. They beat Elk River. Uh, and uh, now, but I was mainly here hoping to have the great underdog story of St. Paul Johnson, uh, but uh, that ain't going to happen. 28-7 Wilmer in the middle of the second quarter. So. That makes me very, very right. sad, Pat. You know I That's love my school? Gubbies. That's my alma mater. Well, plus the guy, I mean, it's a miracle run story. It would be, yes. This isn't like Minneapolis North. Getting there in one A and two A. This is four A. You know, you're yeah. playing with big boys here. So. Hey Pat, how, they're not gonna... how how many trips inside the Ziggy is this for you now? Uh, this is my third for prep football. Okay, uh, and now you and I were over there one day when they were uh, having the X Games. And we walked in. Does that count? No, no, because we walked in yeah, we and walked, walked out in, as quick we as we saw there, that crap. We were we were there a good eight ten minutes, weren't we? I hope not, but probably. Did you uh, did okay. you did you use a restroom when you were in there? Uh, no, no, that doesn't, doesn't count. Okay, you're good. Okay, and then I was here for a Gopher baseball game. Yeah, and uh, and then I was here for the Super Bowl. So this is my fifth time. Then, if you don't give me credit for walking in during the X Games. And I, uh, I gotta say, it's gorgeous. Everything's wonderful. I hate it. I just want to walk in, walk around, find my section, sit down. But hey, I can see how everybody else loves it. I'm just saying that uh, for me, it's a pain in the ass. But for the public, I'm sure they like it. Did you? But but do you hate it? You hate it because it's just too much to get around, or what? What, what yeah, are the things you hate? Too much stuff. Just too much. You know. Let's say uh, you know too much nonsense. I you know. If you go to section 212 in the dome, you went to section 212 and you walked in and you found your seat. You didn't have private clubs here, there. You didn't have barriers. You didn't have all that stuff. But, again, I'm not saying that uh, the uh, Metrodome was a facility to compare with this one. I'm just saying. You know what's ridiculous, though, right? You got this gorgeous front, right, of this stadium. We're so proud of the bird-killing glass, right? We, We love that. And then we got all these tents out in front of it. Why don't the cheap-ass Vikings put their tent someplace else and let people look at this beautiful front that you spend all these tens of millions of dollars to create that glass, and then you got crap all over the arcade out in front, tents and, you know, other other nonsense, just to make five more dollars. Let's, you know, let people look at the front of this place if you're so dang proud of it. Here, here, here's my question on the stadium. We're so confident that this, these are structures that are going to last. This is the next generation. These are 30-plus yeah. year stadiums. Okay, 100 years ago, you guys, we were traveling by horseback. 100 years ago, we were traveling <laughs> yes, by horseback. Right. We were using outhouses for bathrooms and candlelight for dinner, yes. right? How yeah. do we know, like, and, and now look at technology in 2018, how are, how are we so sure that in 10 or 15 years these stadiums aren't going to be right? we got to tear them down again. Phil, you're preaching to the choir because I, in 1955, our family became about the fifth family in Fulda, Minnesota, to get a black-and-white Filco television in which we built a tower high enough 
to threaten airplanes to bring in one station from Sioux Falls South. Yeah. So, yeah, that you don't have to. You don't have to tell me about technology compared because I'm now I'm sitting there talking to you on a some kind of a phone where I can watch anything I want to on. So, are anyway. you are you guaranteeing victory at Soldier Field on Sunday night for our uh, purple clad Warriors? Nah, they can turn it over. Mac could hit Cousins and them fumble a couple of times. I think it's definitely that the Bears are the team to worry about now in the uh, in the <laughs> NFC North. It's not the poor miserable Packers who are going to. Uh, fire everybody. It, it, it was almost like McCarthy was taunting the fans last night, don't you think, by not going for it on fourth and two. He knew if he wasn't going to make he knew that if he punted there, he was going to get killed, but uh, you know, it's, yeah, but the Bears are probably the don't you think they're the second best team in the division now? Yeah, I mean the other two, well, Vikings and Bears, and then you've got You've got Matt Patricia melting down with written oh, statements, yeah. defending practicing outside, and then I'd say yeah. Aaron Rodgers looks like the dad in Amityville, but like in the last ten minutes of the movie, the original yeah. right now. Yeah, he's, his head's about ready to explode. Yeah, uh, you know, and I don't think we can blame it on Danica either. Uh, McCarthy's obviously. Uh, who, who won the Who won the race to write it down on McCarthy being fired at the end of the season? I think Judd had the well, clearly Judd did, but it was like four yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, Pat, uh, they weren't taking the loss very well last night on Packer vent line on the fan in Milwaukee. Either. <laughs> I heard that. Hold on. Go, Pat, go! Tonight, this loss, this season, the Dunn Club is on Aaron Rodgers. One hundred and seventy million dollars worth of crap tonight. He wasn't throwing the ball to checkdowns. He wouldn't live to fight another day. He stunk tonight. Don't tell me about deep passes and all the great things that he can do when the obstinance does not allow this team to win because of number twelve. Period. This one is on Aaron Rodgers. Done. The season is over because of Aaron Rodgers. Gary Ellison, how you doing today? <laughs> who, uh, who is that? That's our guy, the big unit, Bill Michaels. The big unit. He's going hard after Rogers. He is. Yep. All right. It's fantastic. Say, uh, what do you what do you guys think of the Twins' new pitching coach? He's a uh, he's got a lot of arm surgeries in his background. You better keep him away from Jose Barrios. I don't want to see Jose Barrios throwing a weighted baseball this spring. Yeah. You know, I uh, I mean, he's added velocity and he's had some success as a college coach, but. Uh, Mississippi State ran him out after one year, uh, and that summer they had three uh, Tommy John surgeries. So uh, he's big on the weighted baseball and that stuff. I'm not sure about that. That's so, uh, yeah. That's the, the weighted baseball has become, and that's he's he's a velocity guy. And I don't know. Yes, I, I feel like you better know what you're doing. Pulling it. He's never been in pro ball before. And no. and he's coming from a couple short stints at big time college programs. I did. I asked a couple of people who know college baseball, Pat, a lot more than I do, and they and, and people do rave about him. But one of them said, "Okay, if you're just touting increases in velocity, you're also talking about 18 to 22 year old kids who just naturally yeah. throw harder throughout their progression in college because they're getting bigger and they're growing into men, right?" Well, here's here's what I say. Okay, don't say that everybody needs it. Jose Barrios does not need more velocity. He's fine. He can throw at 93 with that break and stuff, 94. Don't start messing with a guy like that to get two more miles an hour out of him and think it's, think it's going to help him. It's going to make no difference. 
Now, if you want to take somebody in the pen, you know, Cole Stewart, or you want to throw 96 instead of 94, you know, and you don't care if you ball out his elbow, you know, uh, okay. But don't, don't take guys that already can pitch successfully and say, oh, I'm going to make you even better. Jose Barrios does not have to be any better. All he's got to do is throw more strikes. Yeah. So that's my theory. So anyway, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I got to think uh, all these guys got friends in the game, and they're going to be uh, hearing, uh, you know, you better watch yourself around there. It's a risk. There's no doubt about it. Hey, Pat, 10 seconds left. Ketchup on your macaroni and cheese or no? Oh, God, no. What, you have to be a complete moron to put ketchup on macaroni. <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> I must have missed you that know. last part. <laughs> yeah. It's Maybe a coolant on, on your back. What? What? Ketchup? Grow up, for God's sake! You're like what? an eight-year-old grandson. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> why, why would I want to grow up? What fun is that? What Put fun is growing up? Then. Come on, grow up. See you later. All right, see <laughs> so far this week, I fired your buddy Tibbs, and I put ketchup on my macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Pat, very upset with me this you week. You know, as soon as Phil asked that question, I knew that was exactly going to be Oh, of course. <laughs> of course it was. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.